good, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Fun With Dumb. We are broadcasting from a brand new studio. This is the first episode of the new studio, so things aren't really on the wall. Not much interesting artwork. But we got an interesting guest today, a director, um, filmmaker, music video director, now doing a lot of features, and also one of the people that gave me an opportunity to go into TV and film and acting. Um, I'd like to be his, you know, Leonardo DiCaprio to Martin Scorsese, you know what I mean? Um, I'm here with uh, OG Joseph Kahn. How you doing, sir? Hey, man. Good Thank, to be here. Yeah, thanks for coming out. I appreciate it, man. This is kind of long overdue. We've done like an episode of Hot Box together mm-hmm. where the, the bo- car was hot boxed with no, <laughs> with no marijuana, <laughs> just a smoke machine. But um, man... Thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedule to come over here, bro. No, I'm, I'm happy to be here. Let's uh, let's talk. Yeah, man. Um, well, there's lots to talk about. First of all, there's a brand new film that just came out. Um, it, we shot this about two years ago. Um, this is your sec, uh, like third feature? Third feature. Third. Yeah, um, it's called Bodied. You want to talk a little bit about the film? Yeah, it's a battle rap movie. So uh, I uh, I made a movie about what you do, or at least you used to do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, um, this is amazing because this is a movie that like pretty much like a lot of us kind of, I mean, it's so easy for us to kind of get into because, you know, this is like what we lived and also like this how kind of how we met. You, you We met each other because you're a fan of battle rap. Mm-hmm. Like, how did that happen? Um, I've been a fan of battle rap for years. Uh, obviously, I've been doing rap videos since the early 90s. Mm-hmm. But I wasn't really introduced to the modern battle rap scene. I mean, I'd seen some Scribble Jam stuff. I'd seen some stuff on HBO. Um, and actually, like around 2000, I wanted to reach out to Idea mm. um, to write a Crow movie for me that I was on. Wow. <laughs> yeah. um, but then uh, the the modern version of bottle rap, battle rap... Uh, like became more evident to me when I watched your tantrum battle. Right, 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 right. And that thing sparked off a whole thing. And that, then it, and it, I fell on a rabbit hole just following everything. So you mentioned, I mean, I know, you know, for a lot of those who aren't familiar with your history, like you started off directing uh, hip hop music videos in, in Texas, right? Yeah. Yeah, like, uh, was it Houston? Well, I started from Houston and I did videos for rap a lot. And, um, you know, I did like probably like 30 videos there. And then I, then after that, I started flying around, you know, New York and LA and doing videos here. Ghetto Boys music videos, Wu Tang, um, yeah. Ahmad in the West Coast, a bunch of like classic rap songs. But I mean, at that point, you're doing hip hop music videos, but you're not necessarily like a rap head at the time or maybe like a battle rap fan yet, right? Uh, no, I'm not. I wasn't. I wouldn't consider myself like a full-on rap guy. Although it's really funny because all I was doing was rap videos for five years. Right, right, right. And that's practically all I was listening to. Right. And, and in terms of the culture of battle rap, um, I was witnessing it on the street. I was wi- I was witnessing people doing impromptu rap battles, and and quite frankly, and that whole thing of uh, you know the dozens where people just make fun of people and stuff yeah, like yeah. that. Well, that was happening to me constantly. Like right, being, right. being an Asian dude in the ghetto like on set, on set, like <laughs> like, like any random freaking like extra could like snap at the director because right. just I was an Asian dude. That's hilarious. Yeah. And you're just like, all right, that's funny, guys. Let's just get back to work. Yeah, on the shoot. I was like, I was like director bitch. You know? Right, right, right. I, was there a, like a style of music video directing with you know because that's so early on where like the style of um, rap video directing was happening, right? It was kind of being created. Was there like a format you were following or somebody you looked up to maybe? No, well, you know, the big thing I was trying to do is uh, in my very early career, I went into music videos because I love 
David Fincher mm. uh, and all the stuff he was doing with Madonna and Paula Toll and right. those type of videos in like 88, 89, 87. Um, by the time I started videos in like 90, 91, um, and I hopped into rap videos, I was trying to sort of import that style over to rap videos. Yeah. But that shit was not flying. Like nobody gave a fuck about like where my can camera was or what type of lighting I was doing. They're like, shoot that rim, shoot that ass. Right, right, right. <laughs> so, yeah. And so at a certain point you, um, you fight that a little bit, but then at a certain point just for pure, you know, financial, uh, like, you know. Uh, survival. You you end up shooting the rims and the ass and all that other stuff, and you just you just and then you actually start realizing, well, maybe there's a reason they want to shoot the rims and the ass. Right. And I remember like there'd be times where I'd be on set and they're like, no, we have to get the Mexicans in this shot. And I'm like, what are you talking about? Well, like, no, we gotta, you know, we live next to the Mexicans. They gotta they gotta represent in this video too. Oh, there's all these different elements, right? Yeah, I, I so feel that. It yeah. was culture shock. It was culture shock because you know I'm I'm an Asian dude, but an Asian dude that lived in the white suburbs. So I right. had no idea of any of this stuff. Right, right, right. That's crazy. And then, you know, the, the interesting thing is we met because um, this was like, oh my, man, it must have been, when was detention? It was like... This was in 2010. Wow, that's so crazy. Then yeah. It's been that long. Eight years. <laughs> Eight years ago, literally, I did like a panel for like some like Korean like council of some sort or whatever, like a charity thing. And then um, uh, David, the, uh, your casting director, chased uh -huh. after me and I was on my way out. And I was like, hey, my director um, uh, wants to meet you, blah, blah, blah. Or like, you know, he, he watches your battles and stuff. And I was like, okay, cool, thank you. Like, you know, not knowing <laughs> who it was or whatever. And he was like, yeah, here's my card. And he gave me your name. And I went home and I like looked it up and I was like, oh shit, I got to follow up with this dude. <laughs> like, and then we met up and then, you know, we were talking and then that's kind of when you mentioned your, um, your second film project that you were about to work on, which was kind of like your baby, you know what I mean? Your passion project. And I was stoked about it and I didn't know where it was going to go. But then we finally started shooting it and I was like, oh shit, I'm in a fucking movie, which is tight as fuck. Yeah, it was, it was kind of interesting because uh, when I wrote Detention with my co-writer, uh, I wrote this Asian guy part. But I wrote them completely unorthodox. Yeah. You know, Asians have really progressed a lot in the last eight years. Remember, like, in 2010, it was still, it's still, like, kind of, like, uh, like, we didn't know what archetypes Asians are except nerds, right? I mean, 2010 was still, like, pretty much 1999 for Asians in Hollywood. Yeah, totally. <laughs> you know what I mean? So I wrote this dude that was, that was a nerd, but not a nerd, but cool. And, um, and it was all in the execution of, of who he was. So that, like, right. you essentially write a nerd character. Because all those parts in detention are archetypes. And stereotypes, but you sort of flip them. Right. So the idea is that there's something really cool about him, but it wasn't really written to be cool, but I just right. wanted to cast him to be cool. And I remember looking for every Asian dude in Hollywood, and you were the only dude. You were right, the right, only right. dude that could authentically say those lines because you have that weird way of speaking, that weird fucking K Town <laughs> slash hip hop shit that's right. going through your mouth. <laughs> like, and no one else could do that. And other people would try. But it just would not be authentic. No, no, that shit was an amazing experience for me. And it was really, that was the first fucking thing that I've ever done, which is crazy. And it was the beginning of like getting a manager, an agent, having meetings with writers and shit like that. You know what I mean? It's a whole new world for me still right now that I'm navigating through. And, you know, I mean, I, I remember like as you were making these projects and shit and you were like stressed out about, you know, working with these investors and all this shit, like... I've experienced that shit in the last couple <laughs> of years, so I know exactly now what you were going through. Well, the funny thing is that you got introduced into Hollywood through essentially a home movie. Right, you right, know, Because right. <laughs> what I did is I went out to investors, but I was just borrowing money from them. It was like normally what you do is you 
you uh, you 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 get them to invest, but if the movie loses money, then they're shit out of luck. But what I did is I just took loans out, right? So yeah. I took out a couple million dollars in loans, and I'm on the hook for these guys, right? Like, yeah. so if the movie doesn't make any money, which it didn't, then I have to write back a check to all these guys, right? I, I remember you talking about all that because at that time, you know, you were still getting booked music videos, and and you were killing it in the commercial side, and all that makes good money, right? Yeah. And then you went into this passion project. That's like your feature, um, but like you're throwing in like not really mad investors. It's like your pocket money, right? Yeah, it, that's crazy. And it, you came out of that, and you were like, "Oh shit, I'm still paying this off." I remember like you seeing your post like two years after. No, dude, I ran out of money like uh, like probably the first two weeks of shooting. And shit. so what I was happening is that while I was shooting that movie, uh, I don't know if you ever saw that Asian dude that you met, David Kang. Yeah, yeah. He's my producing partner. He would go out for random investors, and every. Every day during lunch, I would cut the film and I would show somebody and try to get them to put money into it. Right. So literally, I'm not kidding you. Like what that movie shot for like 65 days, you know, uh, that's like three, three and a half months. But every three days I was collecting $50,000 or something like that or every every couple days. So I was like literally just getting 50. It's like it never stopped. Uh, that's how that movie was made by me, like literally just borrowing fifty thousand dollars at a time every couple of days. Is, is that the biggest like investment you've ever made out of your own pocket? Yeah, that's definitely the biggest so far. And the biggest loss too. <laughs> like that's crazy. But you know what? I'm super proud of that film. Right. I, I think it's uh, it's everything I wanted it to be. I made no compromises, right. and um, yeah, I lost a couple million. And you came back. You know what I'm saying? Well, I mean, I, the thing that that's interesting is that I may have lost a couple million dollars, but I but I, in my head, I've created. Uh, a film style and an ability to understand what I was doing right. that's worth more than a, the couple million I spent on it. And now I can make even millions more because I'm now weaponized with the knowledge I made off right. that. Right, and that, that was like the learning process, beginning stages of having your own style. Yeah, I mean, like filmmaking is interesting. It's, it's not about the equipment you own. No one can make money off that stuff that well. Um, it's about the knowledge in your head. So yeah, I may have spent a couple million dollars to get that knowledge in my head, but now I'm weaponized to be able to, like put that knowledge in anything, whether it's a commercial or a music video or whatever, and now I make millions more. Um, yeah. So it wasn't a loss, it was like going to college. I think a lot of kids, uh, they do mistake in that, that it's all about the equipment or whatnot. Like that shit's not gonna shoot itself or like instruments aren't gonna play itself. You know? No, and it's funny cause like people are, they get such tech lust over like the latest camera equipment or lenses or editing machine or software program. In film you see that a lot, you know? Yeah, yeah and they're just hooked on this stuff and they, they accumulate equipment, but then what do you have to say with this stuff? Here's, here's the thing, you know, filmmaking ultimately is not the skateboard, like the skateboarder, the skateboard's not going to make you like do a fucking ollie or or like a, a kickflip. It's the skateboarder. You can do it on any skateboard. Maybe a certain type of skateboard can make you like work a little bit better, but ultimately that skill set is uh, it has nothing to do with equipment. And that's filmmaking. Filmmaking. You're a skateboarder. Right. Go skate. Yeah, yeah. No, I I remember talking to you about this. How even with uh, specifically music videos, that's not something you intended to do, right? Like that, just that style of filmmaking, is it's a, you kind of fell into that more for money in the beginning to survive, right? I kinda, I mean, I, I did genuinely when, uh, when MTV came out, I remember like music videos, okay, well, here's the thing, music videos I, I've always had an interest in, because uh, I watched MTV get launched. I actually have a vague recollection, and I don't know if I made it up in my head of watching MTV actually turn on its signal, Yeah. right? Yeah. And I remember the first time I ever heard rock music because i came from italy from korea and i came in like 1979 i remember 1980 81 or something like that i saw joan jett's i love rock and roll yeah, on yeah, tv yeah. Mm -hmm. that's i think that's the first time i actually really heard rock music for real right so like i me and pop music 
um, like I can't even imagine pop music without any music videos. Mm. You know, I think I'm the first generation to do that. I think now that's pretty much a standard idea. Right. But I'm like kind of the first. And I remember watching music videos all the way through and to the point where I was obsessed with them. Yeah. Uh, and I, but I was also obsessed with movies too. More movies than music videos. But when I finally had an opportunity to go to film school, um, very short period of time because I ran out of money. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, it just seemed like music videos was the, was the cheapest way to break in. Right, like, right, right. It was right. easier for me to make a $500 music video than like a $5,000 short film or a $50,000 movie. That's an interesting thing you mentioned actually about, because now it's like we watch a music video, it's a music video. Like first time you saw a music video, what was it exactly to you? Was it like a, mu like a musical? Like, you know what I mean? Like it's a I, it interesting was, concept to see it for the first time maybe, you it, know? It was nuggets of pleasure. That's all it was. As yeah. a kid, yeah. uh, watching this thing for the first time. Like, Glamorous and just. Yeah. And it, um, especially for a kid that like came from Korea, like that lived in Europe and then came to American culture. So I wasn't even like that familiar with American culture at all. By the time I came here, I was already like seven or eight years old and I lived in two different countries. Yeah. And so by the time I got engrossed in American culture and music videos were the, the way to end, um, it was just this fascinating nugget. They were short. You yeah. didn't have to sit through them for like two hours like to understand sensory them. sensory overload. <laughs> they were like cartoons, right? Like right. it's the same way that you would watch, but even a cartoon was longer than a music video. A cartoon you'd have to sit through 30 minutes right. with commercials. And music videos were like just the sensory thing of like three to four minutes. And the music videos, quite frankly, back then were so weird. Right. Like Tom Petty was doing his post-apocalyptic like videos. Billy Idol would do <laughs> things like that look like Mad Max. Yeah. You yeah. know, like Rick Springfield would do like weird futuristic things. So it just and this remember, this is very early days of music videos. So anything go anything went. I you know it's 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 so tight because you know, when you're coming from this I mean, at least for me, as just being such a hip hop fan and seeing all the music videos you directed from like the early 90s to now, even like up to like Eminem with the super pop, like running around shit. But even before, before like the huge budgets, right? When you did stuff in the early 90s, like the amazing production value stuff you had, right? Like the whole neighborhood coming out, like 500 motherfuckers like on the street, <laughs> blocking out the street with mad cars and all this shit. Like that shit is amazing to me. Like I love that kind of shit because you, you know, you think back and to you, you're just like, oh, we're making it work with whatever we have. but. To us, it's like, that's the real shit. Well, I mean, especially the early days of music videos for me where I was w working in the hood. Um, and remember, I, I, I never, ever present myself as hood. Uh, I am I am basically a banana, yellow on the outside, white on the inside. <laughs> you came like, yeah. yeah, just like being stuck in the middle of the hood. And um, I remember having to do like these massive setups, right? And here's the thing, when, you, when we talk about them removed, like 25, to, you know, 28 years later, it all sounds relatively simple, right? Like he just got a bunch of dudes in the hood to walk around and then shoot a camera. But here's the reality of that situation. One, um, I'm running the company by myself. I'm like 20 years old. Two, um, I, I've got like uh, crew members that don't know what the hell they're doing. You know, like yeah. just random people that I picked off off art school and stuff like that. Right, right. Three, I'm like running it through a, like financial stuff that like I barely can keep track because I'm, I'm literally writing checks, like literally checks by myself. Right. And um, and like we're hiring like gangsters in the hood to be security slash Nation of Islam, right. you know, slash like, you know, there's certain decorum that's not happening. It's a community <laughs> effort. Every time there's a video shoot, it's like a party. 
It's like <laughs> well, that's well for them. It's a party for me. It's like this is work, and I got to yeah, figure yeah, out how yeah. to make this damn thing. It was trust me, like those early days in music videos were not fun. <laughs> like right, like just and that's just one example of the complication of like trying to get your shit together in in a completely chaotic situation. That's crazy because I mean you must have built the interesting relationship because you shot several videos for certain artists, right? Like yeah. um, like, like Ghetto Boys, you shot a few, right? Yeah. yeah. So at that point, where they just like. Yeah, let's just call that. Let's just call that Chinese dude one time again and shoot this video. They like, do. I was that dude that would go in. I was because I was, you know, what I ended up having to do. This is one of the reasons I'm so sort of um, I know all the technical sides of things yeah. because at a certain point I just started losing white people. <laughs> they just wouldn't come to the hood, so I had to learn how to load the camera myself and yeah. shoot. And I became my own DP, my own editor, everything, you know. And um, so I became technically proficient doing that. Um, but yeah, I became that guy. You know, the funny story is that, so I did a year and a half of that in the hood and I did like 30 videos there, right? And a couple years later, I go back to shoot a Scarface video. Like this around year 2000. So now we've got an actual budget. I think the video was like $350,000 and the most I ever spent on video back then was like 20,000. So I go back to the thing and we have a full on crew. Um, the race relations were a little bit different in 2000 versus like 1992. And right? you noticed that when you went back. Yeah, but here's the thing: like uh, a lot of my again, I, I flew in some professional crew, and some like by the AD was a white guy, and he was scared as fuck. He was yeah. like in that neighborhood, like he was like. And here's a really funny thing: so um, we're on a shot maker, like I'm sitting on top, and um, and like where the car's being dragged. And uh, the neighborhood's watching, of course. And by this time, actually, the neighborhood knows who I am, not because I'm famous, because they just remember me. All right. So I'm like integrated into neighbors. I'm very comfortable now. Right, right, right. right. And, um, and as we're pulling the shot maker, suddenly um, an old black woman starts running after the car. And I swear to God, this is a true story. The white AD goes, pick up, pick up, hurry up, hurry up, hurry up. You know, drive, 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 drive. <laughs> what the fuck? And she runs up to him and she looks at the AD and pulls out a leather thing. She goes, your wallet. <laughs> oh, shit. What? The AD was terrified of this old black lady? Jesus yeah. Christ. Yeah. Oh, my God. That's amazing. And I mean, so like as you've seen that, I mean, the budgets, you went from like low budgets to you were in the history of the music industry where it reached highest levels of budgets. Yeah. And what did you see? Like, how did you navigate through that, having that much money to deal with? Was it essentially more easier, harder? Like, how did that get? Sometimes I think that the there, you know, the the money keeps getting. I feel like the money has been in stasis for the last um, twenty years on a weird level. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I think there's a certain. I think inflation has pushed everything forward, but I don't think people are spending more money than they ever have. I don't think people are spend. I think people are definitely spending less than they ever have. Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah. But uh, for me, I, I've always been on the cusp of like maximizing uh, the budget. Mm. It's where I come from, you yeah. know? So even when I had big budget videos, I, I never sort of like were profligate like other directors. Right. Because I, I came from like rap videos. So I'm always trying to find ways to maximize the dollar. Like, like for instance, like if I use a dolly in this shot, that'll cost me $500 for that dolly. Plus, I got to rent the guy to get it, you know, and then uh, it's got to be put on a truck. And so can I do it without a dolly? Yeah. You know, like just always trying to find really clever ways to get uh, your money up on screen. So even though I was doing million dollar videos, I tr like I think the look would always look like way more than I spent. What's the like least amount of money spent on a video and the most amount of money spent on a video? The least amount of money is probably like 40 bucks. 
40 bucks what the fuck and yeah like that's my early days that's and, what i would do videos for and this was for like a rapper like a, a leg- rapper like a legit rapper well, a legit rapper I, I, like 40 bucks i would just I, and what i would do is i would sneak into university of houston and shoot in their studio and yeah. become friends with everyone and shoot there and then for editing i would go into um like a like a national endowment of arts center yeah. and use their three-quarter machines and edit there and that's how i'd make that video and that's not like 40 bucks was a lot back then that was still a little bit <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I remember like my first video i ever did um that i got a decent amount of money i think it was like for thirteen thousand dollars and that was like the that was like my first legit big budget video um but that i i I had planned everything out and and i put a budget together and i was like okay cameras isn't fifty dollars so i could start calling people around they're gonna know my rate's 250 dollars right so i totally screwed myself on that and then uh, the funny thing is that I was shooting in Houston and I suddenly realized that there are no places to develop film in Houston. It was Dallas, which is a six hour drive away. Oh, shit. So I would I would drive a car, which I, I couldn't even rent myself. I had to get someone 25 years old to rent that car for me and then I would have to drive it. And I remember like driving the car and then halfway through there, I stopped at an Olive Garden and that was like the money for me. That was like, I made it. I'm eating at Olive Garden. <laughs> And but sleeping in the car overnight. <laughs> Give me more rolls, shit. Yeah, yeah. What's the what's the highest budget joint you've ever done? Oh, easily, uh, like five million dollars, something like that. Five fucking million dollar video. That yeah. is insane, dude. And, and I mean, I, but it's like it's, it's also you know, m- more money doesn't guarantee more views and more success on each video, right? Yeah, it does. It does. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe for you because you'll maximize the shit out of it for views. But yeah. I mean, every, every time you spend a lot of money on a video, um, if you put it in the right director's hands, it, it will cause an explosion. Just, but you got to be clever about it, right? You can't just spend five million dollars and uh, expect people to watch it. it. What what that five million dollars is saying is, I can do anything I want. Right. I'm gonna. I can attract you to this thing. Yeah. Uh, watch me go. Yeah, getting shots that like no one could probably get Ideas. unless you had the money. Yeah. Ideas. I, I would say you have the craziest kind of spectrum of, of like artists you've worked with going from Scarface, Ghetto Boys to Taylor Swift. I think they're kind of the same. That's <laughs> I don't know your theory behind that. I, I but think they're, they're both gangster in their own way. That, yeah, I mean, yeah. I mean, with that much money, you can do a lot of gangster things. Dude, I'll tell you one thing. Um, I'd be more afraid of Taylor Swift mad at you than Scarface. Why? What, what, what would Taylor Swift do? Well, she's worth hundreds of millions of dollars that's true never yeah. have somebody that's worth hundreds of million dollars mad at you that's that, that that is a very good point she can easily put a hit on me and no one would know i disappeared Costs like five thousand dollars to kill somebody <laughs> jesus christ i will edit that out so you won't get incriminated like takashi <laughs> <laughs> now um okay let's talk about the film so uh, with the detention um first so your first film that you worked on was torque and yeah. and how how did that feel getting your first like feature from like all the music videos and commercial stuff you were doing? You know, it's weird shit, man. Because uh, when I did Torque, uh, uh, like there's different heights of uh, hotness you get in Hollywood, and it happens all the time. And what happens in Hollywood is that you do something and you become the it person for literally like three months, and then it dissipates and people then forget you're the it person. And then you got to build yourself back up. And so I've had it moments over and over and over, like. Torque was a moment like before I shot Torque. You know, I've had moments like where I did that Power Ranger short or right. like, like different things. I've I've been able to create moments. Right. Was the for Torque myself. was the Torque a moment of like the height of your music video directing career that brought at, you to that at moment? at that point? Yeah, because yeah. I was I'd been winning like MTV awards and and like you know I was doing like ten videos a month or some shit like that. Yeah. And so uh, I had this attitude like um, I, Torque, I can take it or leave it. 
like literally, like most directors go in there like, gimme, gimme, get the job. And I was more like, yeah, if I do it, cool, but I'll do it my way. Yeah. And so they, I actually turned down the movie like two times. Damn. I remember one time the producer called me and he goes, Joseph, do you want to do this movie? I go, no. And he hung up, right? Yeah. <laughs> and then they, they came back to me. And I think Hype Williams was supposed to do the movie for me, right? And he dropped out. So finally, I just went in there and I, I, I pitched my idea. And I said, I was going to do a really funny version of a Fast and Furious movie. Because here's the thing. Like, you're that dude, right? You're that Asian dude that loves the fucking Civic with the rice rocket with the <laughs> big speaker in the back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, that's you. That's not me. <laughs> you know, I'm the dude First that- of all, that's not me either, all right? <laughs> I like how you just judged the shit out of me. Another, another Korean dude right in front of you. No, no. But that is that really isn't me. But I mean, at the time, it was me. the world was for a lot yeah. of people. You know what I mean? For sure. Yeah. Um, and I mean, that was just like the shit. Like, it was really just pop culture. But I'm in just general. saying, like, for me, like, that's yeah. not the Asian right. dude I, I right, was. Right, right, right. You're know? like the furthest away from I'm like, I'm like, I could have been a doctor, you yeah, know? Yeah, like, yeah. I was like literally one step away from being a scientist. Yeah, yeah. And to this day, I still read like pop science stuff. Now, left now you're right. just an opinionated doctor. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so like uh, they're telling me to like make this fucking rice rocket movie. And um, I'm like, okay, cool. I fucking hate rice rockets. Right, right. I think the culture is stupid as fuck. But <laughs> I'll it, be honest it, with it you. Kinda, but I feel like that colorfulness of that world, it, it kind of did make sense for them to probably reach out to you, right? The style of well, they capturing Well, they it. thought what they were getting was a hip-hop guy. Like right. They thought I was from the street and this is what I represented. But I, I'm more like a ironic like sarcastic satiric dude about this stuff but i feel like that goes hand in hand almost with the culture as well you know what i'm saying i don't i don't know if that's a part of the culture i'm not (laughs) part of it i I just i was just like making fun of it right but but it's like i i feel like they the culture kind of it just somehow just worked in the world where you clashed with what you did and the world of hip hop. It didn't work because when it, it came it, out. It worked with Eminem, like what you did with Eminem. Yeah, yeah. I feel well, like. Eminem, like I understand that thing because I I understand the critique part of him, and that that speaks to me in in like an artistic soul. Right. But the but the Fast and Furious world where you take the shit completely seriously. Right, right. Where a man in a muscle t-shirt can walk out flexing his muscles and then step in a car and beat another man in a car. That shit is alien to me. Right, right, you know? right, right, right. So when I made the movie, I wanted to make fun of that whole thing. Uh, on torque. Yeah, yeah, so I wanted to like just take that culture and ramp it to 10, yeah, make the yeah. people more beautiful than you've ever it's like seen. like on steroids. Like yeah. if, a, if a car could jump one thing, like in, in, in Fast and Furious, I was going to jump a train and, yeah. and that. And I just wanted to do everything on steroids and make the most... Like and also here's the other thing. Um, I was really into Andy Warhol at the time. <laughs> there was an Andy Warhol exhibit that I was playing in, um, and, and I was like, and "Just this is the sort of stupidity of youth." I was yeah. just so arrogant. I was like, "Yeah, I'm the new Andy Warhol, right?" Yeah. Like it's like, "Yeah, that's what I do. I do pop culture." And he takes you know like things that you see and repeats them over and over again until they become art, right? Yeah. <laughs> or, or like you, there's new meaning in it. So I was like, "That's what I do. I I take like real pop shit and just repeat it and, yeah, and yeah. then flip it and, and subvert it." Some of it may be true, but the director shouldn't say that or think that. Right, 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 right. right. Uh, so anyways, when I did Torque, I was like, okay, so these Pepsi ads that you see in all these movies, I'm just going to repeat them over and over again like Andy Warhol. <laughs> and, and then I'm going to then eventually accumulate into a fight uh, in between Pepsi billboards. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But here's the thing. When the movie finally came out and I thought like, holy shit, I've got this total fucking awesome subversive movie uh, that, that looks serious, but it's like so over the top. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that people are gonna fucking call me a genius and love it, right? It was uh, <laughs> it was the exact opposite. People were like, "Why the fuck are they selling me this Pepsi over and over again?" Yeah, yeah. You know, people thought they're calling me out on shit that I thought was a joke, but they took it completely because the people that watch it take this shit seriously. Right, right, that's true. So who's the audience for a guy that made this Japanese anime satiric fucking like over the top uh, like 
biker movie starring Ice Cube. Yeah. One person, me. Do, do you think people would get it more now? They do. If you ever look at like certain websites, now cult is a tor- is like a total cult movie. You mean like something like like triple X movies, like that kind of shit? No, it's they, different. I think people even recognize Torque is different than those right, movies. Right, right. You think those aren't over the top enough? No, maybe. there's there's been plenty of think pieces written about Torque now. Uh, it's funny, like I'm getting validated on on the work, but 10 years later when nothing, when it doesn't fucking matter, you know? Maybe it's because they've seen your other work after Torque. Well, know? I mean, for instance, Power Rangers was a more successful version of what I was trying to do with Torque, right? Right. Like, I don't know, did you ever see that thing? Yeah, I did, yeah. yeah. So let's talk about that. Power Rangers was a fan uh, fan fiction movie you made, um, just like, <laughs> like a way darker Power Rangers. <laughs> uh, what was the motivation behind that? Um, I was originally going to go make a science fiction movie. Then I met, uh, I was meeting with Addy Shankar, who became my friend. Yeah. And he said, you should do it on Power Rangers. Because Addy is like really into violent uh, movies. Right. Like mm-hmm. that's his thing. Mm-hmm. I'm not, like I, I could give a shit about violent movies. But he's really into like pop culture stuff like anime and Power Rangers. Right. I mean, that's his, that's his millennial age bracket thing. Right. And he said, let's do it. So Addy really wanted to make like a serious um uh, dark version of the power and but he was very serious about it right because he did that with the punisher with the thomas jane thing right yeah and i was like uh okay so he sent me like an initial draft of a script which um that they that someone else wrote and i I didn't like it so what i did is i just threw it away and rewrote my own 15 minute version of it right Mm. but i what i wanted to do is i wanted to make something that was just so dark so serious execute it so flawlessly uh like serious that by the time you watch it, you're like, I just watched Power Rangers blow people's brains out, <laughs> do coke, and fuck hookers. Yeah, and I take yeah. it completely serious. And that's the satire. Yeah, to yeah. not give the audience one wink at all, but just do it. And then at the end of it, the absurdity of what you just watched is right. the joke in it, which is essentially torque, right? I mean, you're, you're a big... You're a big- pop culture fan as well though right i mean you talked about addy being you know into the millennial stuff but you are very pop b like you you're into all around all around pop culture i guess so but here's the thing like um i used to pride myself on the fact that i knew so much about pop culture but the reality is with the internet um the value of being able to have access to pop culture is no longer as interesting as it was like say pre-internet pre-internet the guy that walked around said i know this album that album and um, I have a recollection of what this person did in 1962. You have to be really like curious and thirsty for that information, right? You had to right? really yeah. look that shit out. And right. now Wikipedia has made it so easy and the internet has made it easy. Like just accumulating memory right. is nothing. You don't feel like that cool about it. I I, uh, I agree uh, though. I, I mean, I was, a col- I'm, I was a collector of many things to during that time, you know? Yeah. Now it's not really that hard it, to no, collect. No, anybody can do that. Right. But so what now, the more interesting thing I think is what can you apply with that knowledge, mm. you know what's what's the what's the what's the ultimate um, takeaway with all that mechanism that you've been able to put in your brain, you know, and that's that's what I've been doing more of lately. It's less about like the the breadth of what you're watching, but the specificity of what you're getting out of it, and that's right. that's all my research lately, you know. Well, I mean, uh, talking about research, I mean, one of the the one biggest films and biggest projects that you've researched a lot was Body, the newest movie that, uh, newest project that you've worked on. And this is like, it's interesting because I've met you eight years ago when we talked about battle raps and you were, you know, you're watching these guys and this guy and you were like a truly a fan. And me seeing Bodied after it was complete, I was like, oh shit, this is like a serious fan of this culture's movie, <laughs> you know? I mean, you even went out the way to, 
work with a writer that's an actual battle rapper. Mm-hmm. It literally throw in every battle rap dude in there and low cameos from, you know, league hosts and shit like that. that you didn't even have to do, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> but there's like a whole like ending area where just people like every person coming up to the bar is like somebody who's from the culture. I mean, why was it important for you to like literally have every single person in that shit? Like um, I wanted to take a snapshot of battle rap in this period of time. And this period of time is about like a, a ten year period, mm. an accumulation of everything that's happened in grind time and King right. of the Dot and URL and just sort of Scribble Jam and WRC, just just sort of um, put it into an amalgamation because the 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 league that we do in the movie doesn't really exist. Right, right, right. It right. seems to be a fusion of all the different leagues. I get that. Yeah, and that was done on purpose. And um and I think the aficionado is a battle rap that that don't look at it from a point of view a movie will go well he, he didn't he wasn't completely accurate but it's impossible to be accurate because then you'd have to really pick one particular league it's like every movie yeah it's yeah. like you can't get it exactly it's You're a not movie please it's, everybody either yeah, yeah it's so it's an amalgamation first uh, for story points but ultimately you know I, I felt like there's such a wealth of personalities that are fascinating at this point in time it it really feels like the nba um like when jordan was playing mm. you know and, and there's just like these big personalities. And I think the NBA today now, like, for, you know, like I, it took a while. There's a little period where it's like I, I wasn't that interested in the NBA, but now it's come back with Steph Curry and right, LeBron right, right. and James Harden and all that. Well, the stars of it, yeah. The battle rap uh, period right now seems to be just flush. And you're one of those guys. Like, yeah. you're, you're absolutely like, uh, like a legendary person. About well, I think we, we just kind of settled into now there is an actual like culture with leagues and Hall of Famers, things like that, you know, that we never had before. Yeah. You know, so I mean, that's amazing. I, 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 I noticed watching the movie, too. It was it was like it was really interesting. I, it kind of helped me understand like that this has come that far too. Mm-hmm. you know, looking like if you watch the movie and knowing like, oh, that's him and that's that like we would never have been able to do that before you know like in eight mile you had um i remember like they they were talking about how eminem was battling in detroit and all the scenes he had like in between takes was like with real battle rappers in detroit you know but that was like a local thing like marv one was in a scene you know what i mean like (laughs) but like now it's like you could actually watch that and you know watch this movie and you can know like who's who yeah so i wanted to make sure there's a time capsule of it Unfortunately, you know, you know how much battle rap is just full of haters. You know, it's just the, it's it's the it's the art form, right? It is. Yeah. It's like that's part of what you're supposed to, you're supposed to hate on somebody, right? So there's no way I was going to be able to get all of battle rap in there. I, I mean, and remember, this is again self finance. This is right. all I'm on the hook. Did the same shit I did on detention, and every time I flew a battle rapper in, and I shot here in LA, and I flew all these guys in from other places. That's like I'm, me writing out checks for five, six thousand bucks. Right, you right, know? right. Uh, to get those guys, put feed them, put them in hotels, drive them around, get them on set, pay them, and then get them home. So I assure you, everyone who's actually in the movie is not hating. <laughs> <laughs> I could give a fuck. <laughs> no, no, I could give a fuck. Uh, no, it's uh, no, dude. You did really well of including mad people. Like, bro, you don't like you damn near included eighty percent of the motherfuckers. I think that's pretty fucking good, considering there's like fucking over a hundred leagues across the fucking world yeah. and shit. You know, I mean, what I mean? It, it was it was tough trying to whittle that shit down, and so ultimately. Uh, a lot of my decisions were made by who's right for the role. Right, right. You know, because it's not that people just randomly, like, pop in for no reason. Like, for instance, yeah. I put the Soros and Ilmac in there as a, a, you know, on the two-on-two commenting. Right. Because I thought that was hilarious. That was good, yeah. You know? Um, I that. And because they're the two-on-two champs, and, and like, their their comments are, like, two-on-twos, right? Right, right. I mean, obviously, and there's, like, two roles where literally I could not write for any other motherfucker. Yeah. One was obviously Disaster, 
like like the way that role was written. <laughs> and here's the thing, like I'm so glad that disaster exists, right? Because right. this movie ultimately, if you watch it closely, there's a big commentary about like cultural appropriation and can mm-hmm. white guys, you know, if they can rap or should they can should they rap and all right. that other stuff. But ultimately, if you watch the thing, like he has to fight like two big guys at the end. But if he had to fight like I don't want to give the movie away, but he has to fight one black guy. Then, then he has to go fight another black guy. I, I think black culture would just give up on the movie. You know, well, so, <laughs> I, I also like how like disaster kind of doesn't come off as a white guy. White guy, he really comes off as a Middle Eastern dude. Yeah, yeah, you know what I mean? Like it's like he comes off very specifically to his ethnicity. Like, I know, I know. Disaster makes fun fun or tries to own the whole terrorist shit and stuff like that. Like, yeah. and it's a love hate for him. But he really does come off like a goddamn terrorist. You no, know? I mean, <laughs> I mean, I just love that it's so specifically that. You know, his like he, he he plays this villain so specifically to that. I mean, he does that in real life. Like, I mean, you know, this is like this in real life too. He's not that far from his character, but he's also kind of a sweetheart too. You know what I mean? Like, he can be like chill. He is. And <laughs> the funny thing is, I think when I was calling around to see about if I should work with this, with with Diz, and I was like, "What's he like?" I think that you or Twist told me. Well, this is like walking battle rap. He doesn't do anything but battle rap. There's nothing else to him, you know. Like so, I was like, okay, this isn't going to be interesting. Yeah, no. We we everything we talk about will lead to battle rap at the end of the road. <laughs> but um, the other person that was written only for one person was you, your character. You know, like, that I mean, made it easy for me to act in it. But actually. here's the, here's the fucking thing. I remember like when I made detention, like, and I was like inviting you to come down to. Uh, um, to like uh, South by South, you were there. Yeah. You didn't even come to the goddamn premiere. You're like just floating around the street doing what do you other mean? No, shit. I was there. I, was <laughs> no. I at the premiere? No, you are. What you're the like hell? running around. <laughs> I was just like, you're just a weird dude. Like, no. I don't know what's going on. And then I remember like I sent you the script to Bodied, right? And you didn't get back to me for like two months. I did take a long time to. <laughs> I did take a long time to read it, and actually, that could have been a huge mistake on my part. Like, I feel like I'm gonna end up on a. Po- I could have ended up on a podcast years later. Like. That could have been my way into dude, the Dude, I, I, was, I was literally starting to audition other Asian dudes going, what the fuck is up with this dude? Yeah, I know. What and took it, you so goddamn long? I, I, I remember I, I was at, I, I found out about this shit through a panel I was in with Jin, and Jin was like, yeah, I auditioned for the role, and it's, <laughs> I was like, nah, this is the best part. I shouldn't be doing this, and well, I was like, what the fuck, you auditioned for the role? <laughs> then, then get back to me. I know, I know, what I know, were no. you doing? No, nah, it was, it's, yeah, no, nah, I'm like, I'm learning how to be the i think that's my part of being a rapper and not being punctual with these kind of things and i'm learning how to do that more yeah but and more. punctuality is like you know two or three days like you were like you were like two months dude <laughs> god damn now i just feel shitty as fuck <laughs> nah um nah i feel you I, I thank you for the opportunity i mean i love how this is definitely one of the most interesting projects i think i'll ever be a part of you know what i mean and i i, I really wish that we could i mean the theater the limited theater run was great i you know it was the turnouts was great. I wish it could have been in more theaters and more people could have seen it, but but you know what? It, it was never meant to be. Like it was, it was always meant to be. Like a, like you don't like release a theaters thing like on right. November eighth and then go streaming November twenty eighth and plan it out that way. Unless right. you're just, it, it was always meant to be like here's a limited run. Right. Let's get all, you know let's get all our reviews in and get people knowing about it and then go streaming because here's the thing: if we didn't release in theaters, the New York Times would have never written that article about us. True. 
True. We would not get that great review from the New York Times because they don't write about streaming stuff. Right. So that's the whole point of the streaming thing. It's well, just, I think also the write-ups, write-ups are coming from like an impact, like a cultural impact point, right? Like yeah. Crazy Rich Asians, like people talk about that because it has some kind of cultural impact more than just like a film, you know what I mean? So yeah. it's like, I, I think that's important. I think that's why I had my journalist homies hitting me up like, yo, I want to write well, about this I shit. Mean, like, I mean, I, I think that we as um, people in the battle rap world... Um, we did great on our on our uh, limited run. Right. You know, we we uh, we hit a bunch of theaters. Um, it got so much buzz. People fucking came and watched. And this with no advertising whatsoever. Did you see a television ad for Body? No. Nope. Did you see a billboard for Body? No. See anything for Body? No. This is all word of mouth. And we got like like thousands of dollars a theater opening weekend. So yeah. that's pretty impressive. So that tells me that, like, for instance, if they ever had chosen to do a like a real run with like real advertising and put that shit out, right. I mean, we could have been a hundred million dollar movie easily. Our you know? only marketing was we just had this stand on the corner of Hollywood and Highland just yelling at people's faces. <laughs> <laughs> no. no, but I'm I'm actually I'm really excited because the streaming it's it's premiering it's coming out not premiering on YouTube Premium today. So everybody go on YouTube.com and what's the process like to, for people to watch the film? Dude, actually? just sign up, put your credit card down, and then just fucking and it's like it. it's like thirty days free, right? Yeah. Well, yeah, and then you can, uh, but you got to put a credit card. Out. You can cancel afterwards, whatever. But I'd stick around, and watch Cobra Kai or some shit. Yeah, like, there's, I mean, there's gonna be other drops, but please support the film, watch this shit. But I'm stoked. I mean, I'm actually more stoked about this like YouTube premi- uh, premium kind of release because now it's like you can have I can tell people you can watch it you don't gotta go to the limited theater or whatever well you know? I think there's gonna be two branches of it right the first part is for a year it's gonna be on YouTube premium so that's gonna be till 2019 then after that you're gonna Blu-ray and DVD and then maybe in 2001 maybe they may even do it for free on YouTube but you gotta wait two years so don't don't wait on that shit right yeah. so there might be another opportunity after that that we can even just promote it and get everybody to see it after all literally everybody one day when you know Everybody just stops like being a little bitch about shit. That it's, it's gonna be on TV, network TV. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I don't know how they're gonna censor all the shit that's uh, in it though. There, there's no way. I, I, there's it can't be on network TV. That yeah. shit's too crazy. What? Um, well, I was. We were also talking about this. Like, this is like a great format for like television, right? Mm-hmm. Like TV. Yeah. Like, I would love to see a TV show like this, especially because I want to have a job. Yeah. But, <laughs> <laughs> no, but um, I mean, what are your thoughts about that? Like, it does kind of make sense to me when I watched. A movie like that. Well, Alex, Kid Twist, and I—we—we um, we actually have a sort of a an arc mapped out for a TV show. Sick. Yeah, you're in it. That's amazing. Uh, and but, you mean like an arc, like a season arc? A or? season, and we want to wow. go—we want to go into like different stories of different battle rappers, give them episodes, and then have it interface with each other, and and, and then actually see a really bloody battle at the end. Uh, but the problem is, YouTube, even though they they signed on, I think there's a lot of executives at YouTube. They're still afraid of our movie mm. because of the language, right? And I mean, it's a tough movie, and yeah. I don't blame them. Like yeah. you know, like they're a corporation, they're a huge corporation, yeah. they're Google, right? They're worth you know, eight hundred billion dollars. Yeah, they don't need this foul mouthed yeah. movie. They're not willing to risk it off for a battle rap movie. <laughs> yeah, mucking up the works, right? Right, right? So if we did do a TV, we might have to take it somewhere else. Mm. But even at that, like where else is somewhere else? Considering that you know, battle rap is. Grimy. So, yeah, you, yeah, you're thinking it could be problematic for any any network. Right? Yeah, it's just the, the nature of uh, that's why this stuff seems to work really well, you know, on YouTube when it's like unaffiliated. It's just under other people's own channels. Right. So um, I don't know. We'll figure it out. Um, my my media empire is still building. You know? Yeah, yeah. I so, mean, my, I, like, just speaking of that, you know, like 
like we were talking about in the last only year or two, it's been like a crazy boom for Asian Americans in Hollywood, right? Mm -hmm. Like, have you experienced that first time? I mean, you're one, first of all, you're one of the few Asian Americans that didn't kind of need the boom. Like you've, <laughs> you've been on for a minute, but have you felt that maybe for yourself, like people might want to work on more projects because of that boom? I get offered Asian shit, which has never been my thing, quite frankly, yeah. do you know? I have, I have interest in Asian stuff, but only if, if it actually interests me. Like for instance, you, you know, yeah, yeah. and everything I've written for you, that's been from a legitimate place. So it's not, not that I'm trying to say, like, like put my foot in the door with Asian stuff. Yeah. It's just that I'm just intrigued by the perspective of... God damn, I love this guy, man. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm all for you doing that. No, no, no. But that's yeah. amazing. I mean, honestly, that's one thing I had a huge respect for you about. You know, I think... Here's the thing. I think we're, we're both very passionate about Asian Americans and doing... Because that's us, you know. Mm -hmm. We're going to do it. But you, you've always mentioned that... you. That's not how you should chase after those things. You know, you got to prove yourself even way before that. Um, and and that doesn't mean just because you don't talk about it or whatever, you're not passionate about it. I think if anything, we're some of the most passionate about these things. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, I think um, I think at the end of the day, the, like it's less about like Asian American as a group, but more from a personal experience point of view, experiential. You know, mm -hmm. my Asianness has definitely influenced my work. But I don't look at it from the point of view I'm a collective person with everybody else. It's like I'm an individual that right. had a series of experiences. Like I grew up in the 80s as an Asian dude. Of course, I've had some rough times and interesting times and like beautiful like perspectives that come out of it. But I don't try to like template it into everyone else's experience. Right. If you can relate to it, that's great. But I hope that other Asians are, are not the only, but they can relate to my experience. But there's a universal truth underneath it that all people from all different cultures somehow are able to do. And that's why I feel I am so successful in pop music because I try, like, it's funny. Other directors go in there and they try to demographically isolate things. Like, I only do, like, rap videos or I do this. Or that. And obviously, through my history, um, I've been more expansionist and integrationist. Like, try to, try to, like, throw rap ideas into pop videos, throw pop ideas into rap videos. Right. Because I feel at the end of the day, Underneath all this sort of dysphoria type of um, um, separating of people into tribes, we are all human beings, and underneath it, there are universal truths, and that's what I try to get at more than anything else. Right. Yeah. No, I feel you. I, I do think there's a lot of ignorant people within this Asian American like movement militant mentality because they don't understand that there's different types of Asian Americans that grew up differently as well. You know, and I and I hate that kind of you see these like dudes on the Internet going this way, like you ain't for us. I'm like, bro, like, what do you mean us? Like, well, motherfuckers grew up differently, too. You know, the uh, way you grew up, I grew up, we grew up differently, you know, but. And I think it's also kind of dishonest to yeah. what the Asian American experience is. That's true. Yeah, because obviously, number one, let's branch it into two things. There's the Asian experience and there's the Asian American experience. Those two things oh, yeah. are completely different. Oh, for sure. 100%. You know? like, I, and like that's something people don't talk about, but that is absolutely true. That's some shit that non-Asian people like never kind of can get. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. This shit is crazy. Okay, no. and let's let's break it down even further. Then there's, um, there's the Asian Americans in media versus the Asian Americans in everything else. Mm. You know? Right, Statistically, right. we, like Asians, Asian Americans, like uh, racially, uh, like uh, have uh, different partners of different races more than any other fucking ethnic group. Mm. You know, like fifty percent of us like end up interracially marrying. Right, right, statistically. Right. That's crazy. Shit. That's more than anybody else. So that tells you something about the way Asian Americans think, right? Right, right. The second thing is um, a good chunk of Asians like that don't go into media. They're conservative. You mm. know, like if you ever look at like some of these red state voters, 
It's like right. fucking Asian dudes, like doctors and lawyers and shit like that. So like that particular group of Asians are never ever talked about. Like, but they're such a big significant part of the Asian American experience. I feel like we're being dishonest. If we don't like uh, like at least look into what's going on there. No, right, I feel you. And then here's the other thing that's uh, very interesting. Even within like so, sort of the Asian Americans in Hollywood, there's a huge difference between Asian American males and Asian American females. Their experiences, even though they share cultural similarities, have completely different outcomes. For instance, Asian American females live in a world where they're um, they're, they're they want to be procured, right? People lust after them. You know, they're right, kind of like look at like. Uh, Look at like a dating apps. If you ever like look at like the actual statistics of dating apps, yeah. Asian American females are like at the top of the food chain. Right, right. right. Then you flip it over on right, the right. Asian American male side. We're literally at the bottom. Yeah, I'm very familiar with that as well. <laughs> <laughs> so you cannot say that like if you look at the way that that works, that those two brackets are having the same experience. No, you're having completely it's different true. experiences. It's true. No, no, for sure. So okay, let's talk about what's the uh, so what what's the next for you? Like, I mean, I feel like right now is an interesting place for you to be in your career. You know, just putting out this recent project that's like so different and so like I mean, exciting in general. Like, what would you like to do next? I don't know. It's funny. Like, I've I've achieved like uh, creative bursts of cool stuff before. You know, that I've been personally very proud of. But this is the first time that I've actually gotten critical acclaim for something. Right. You know, Bodied's got like a super fresh rating on Rotten Tomatoes, and I mean, like. Like that, <laughs> that beats my other shit Here's by mile. claim <laughs> a masterpiece, a cinematic <laughs> bombshell, fearless. Well, I, let's let's put it this way: Torque had like a twenty-two percent on Rotten Tomatoes. Detention had like a forty-four percent. We're like at eighty-eight percent on that. Shit it. is so tight. So we're doubling up. So whatever I do next is going to be like you know a hundred and fucking sixty percent. You know, yeah, <laughs> it's yeah, going to be amazing. You're trying to go in, go in. Yeah, I mean, it, I feel like you have to. Like some of your, your all your movies are, whether some people like it or not, there's a lot of shit in it. There's a lot of content, dialogue, whatever. It's you know snappy. Like there's a lot of things in it. You got to pay attention, you know. And it, it's definitely, it's very you. I gotta say <laughs> that. So no, I'm excited, man. I'm excited to be a part of your next project as well. Yeah, for sure, for sure. For sure. <laughs> I'm speaking into existence, manifesting destiny. <laughs> Joseph, thank you so much for coming, man. I appreciate yeah, you. Yeah, thanks, man. Thank you. Hey, YouTube Premium, out right now. Please support. If you support me, you will support this movie. Make an account. You know, get your mom's credit card out of her purse. <laughs> Make an account. You could delete it in 30, 30 days or so um, or just stick around and, you know, look out for more movies and dumbfounded battles on YouTube Premium. All right. Peace. Yeah,